Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They had been been around the block a time or two. Wasn't the first deal they built, I bet. No, no. I think the the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Welcome to the second episode of Out of the Groove Power Hour presented by Circle B Diecast. Be sure to use code uh, OOTG, stands for Out of the Groove, for free shipping on orders over $30 at circlebdiecast.com. Brennan, you're laughing at me because I almost forgot what the promo code was. It's my own show and I forgot what it was yeah. for a moment. Um, but how's it going? Brennan Poole is with us. Yeah, studio audience. Woo! Yeah, put in the clap, the yep. clap track. I'm gonna put that and everywhere. The Heck yeah. yeah. Um, Boo. Yeah. <laughs> Boo. Um, I'm good. I'm I'm a little sore still because I just, you know, had like the hardest hit I've ever had in my life yeah. in that crazy wild Atlanta race. But it was a good finish. I mean, a good finish. Top 15. Yeah. P13 on the day. Three wide at the finish line battling for that spot, which was, uh, which was pretty fun. Uh, but it was a chaotic race. But yeah, I mean, it was... It was fun. A lot of funny stuff happened in Atlanta that I know we're going to talk about that I'm sure you, uh, the Groovy Gang, everyone watching this podcast wants to hear us chat about. But yeah, I mean, it was, um, it's been good. I'm doing good, man. I hope you're, I hope you're doing good. I'm going to Texas this weekend. The best state. We're, we're recording this right before I go to, to uh, Coda. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to get some Tex-Mex. It's like, literally, it's like three hours from where I grew up. So I'm like super, super, super excited. And I love road course racing. So awesome. all's good in the hood over here. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, I can't wait for Circuit of the Americas, Austin, Texas, uh, my old stomping grounds. That's where I went to college. I was in Austin for three years at the University of Texas. I should have worn my uh, well, some UT gear, but yeah, I didn't want to anger basically everybody else who hates UT. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, talk about Atlanta for a minute. Uh, it was a crazy race. My perspective watching it from my couch at home was uh, it was unwatchable for about uh, 80 laps. I'm talking about the Xfinity race, I should say. I should be specific. We're talking about Xfinity. It was unwatchable for 80 laps. Caution, caution, caution. You did a great job avoiding the wrecks, Brennan. Ended on a pretty long green flag run, very competitive, but then wrecking across the line. Yeah, just take me through your day because you got a 13th place finish. I know you tore up a car. Yeah. Uh, couldn't really do much about it at the end. Just big wreck in front of you. What are you going to do? You got to get the, every point you can. But like, how big was that finish for uh, for your team this early in the season? Well, it was real big for us just to talk about the finish a little bit because we really needed the points. You know, blowing up at Daytona where we were running inside the top 15 with 28 laps to go, like we were going to have a good finish. I think even if we would have wrecked out at the end, we still would have ended up in a decent spot and in Daytona. So um, getting knocked out that early kind of hurt us uh, points wise. So we've been kind of scrapping to get back there. You know, we had a decent run at Fontana kind of messed the strategy up a little bit. Didn't have a set of tires at the very end of that last caution to finish 25th when we should have ran inside the top 20 there. We actually had a really good car, um, all of Fontana race. And and uh, and then Vegas was a struggle for us. And then Phoenix, we, we got ran over on the, uh, you know, on the, you know, with, on that last restart with like seven laps to go, which, and I lost like eight or nine spots. Even you saw it, Eric. You're like, I saw that. I, I saw like, the yeah, leaderboard. Yeah, no. I was like, there's the six. And I was like, well, yeah. what happened? <laughs> I, I was almost, I almost rear clipped it. I got ran so hard into mm -hmm. turn three, but it's okay. It's part of, Part of racing so we, we we still got we finished 29th but we should have been about 22nd 23rd so this 13th place finish was huge for us points wise because going to uh, which not a lot of people know but for us in the xfinity schedule um circuit of the americas is the second highest paying race behind um daytona so it's really big for all of the midfield teams you know because the purse money is big is big so um this knocked us up to 24th in drivers but 28th in the owners so it, it basically locks us in the race no matter what even if we have a problem in qualifying or something like that um locks us in the race so that was really really important for us to get those points so that 13th place finish was huge because it, it it climbed us up uh, from 31st to 28th in the owners which 
um, you know, it was actually, it was a pretty big, big gap. So um, I'm happy about that. Our team's happy about that, but yeah, it was wild. I missed a lot of wrecks, <laughs> like right off the bat, there are wrecks happening like lap one. I was yeah. like, what is going on? Like I was already, you know, cause qualifying was rained out. So I started 29th or 28th or something or 29th, I think. And um, so I was already in the back and my spotter, I remember like lap one was like, Oh, they're, they're wrecking behind you. Caution's out. I'm like, wrecking behind me. I'm like, there's not even that many cars back there. Like what's going on. So like, I, I didn't even see exactly what happened on that for those. For did those it couple feel, ones. did it feel as edgy as it looked like it just looked like those cars had no stability. Uh, yeah, the they race. were, I was incredibly loose, like incredibly, incredibly loose. Like I was just like hanging on, especially in the back of the pack like that in the dirty air mm-hmm. They're it's they're even crazier to drive, but I can't imagine like I for the life of me, I still don't understand why guys are going like three wide in stage one when there's like no grip. They're already like sideways and like some guys are kind of like hitting the wall. And like, I'm like, you got like, you, you must also all be free in some form. Cause I, I mean, I was really free. So I'm assuming just like where everyone else started off, they were also probably more on the free side. And from my conversations with other guys, that seems to be the case. Why are we, going three wide for multiple rows when everyone's barely hanging on as it is uh, like four laps into the race. And that makes no sense to me. And that, mm-hmm. but guys do that. It just doesn't. Um, so yeah. So there were a lot of wrecks caused, I think from guys just overdriving because the yeah. cars were just like not handling well. And we probably should have just, you know, got to the stage to make adjustments, which is how my, I worked my race. I got to the, the first Smart. stage. I made adjustments needed a little bit more made a couple more adjustments in stage two there were so many cautions we just came down and started working on it and then i was in good shape and my car drove pretty good and uh yeah i missed the big wreck with the seven yeah. wreck. I, missed, I missed the other one with the 11 and somebody else but 11 came like back down the track and almost got me that was close so there were a couple of big ones i missed and then at the end i mean you know what do you do i mean it's the last lap you're racing to the finish line i i, I had a couple of awesome passes on that last lap coming back to the checker that like jumped me up from like, I don't know, 17th, 18th up to like where I was battling like close for a top 10 spot because I was side by side with the double zero and of Cole Custer and somebody else. I, I think it was the 51 and we we're all racing for that spot. So like you can't lift, even though I know they're wrecking, I can't lift because I can't afford to give up the spots. Yeah. So I just kept my foot in it. And when I got to the line, I slammed on the brakes as well as I'm sure the guys next to me did too. Cause you couldn't really see cause there was some smoke. Yeah. And then I, um, I mean, the 48 was right there in that top lane where I was. And I, I don't, you know, in the moment it happened so quick. I just made the decision to just try to slow down as much as I could, as hard as I could on the brakes and just kind of hit him um square i mean there's not i mean i could have tried to turn or avoid but i think that would have caused maybe even more of a worse wreck than what it was so in the moment i made that decision with half a second to decide that and and then that that was what it was so yeah well glad you're okay not a little sore it sounds like but yeah all good otherwise yeah that's part of it i mean where does that rank you you said that was one of the hardest hits you've taken is that is that true that is yeah, that's probably the hardest hit I've had in an Xfinity car. Wow. I've had some big wrecks um, over the years, like at Daytona and some places where I hit pretty hard in 2015. Um, so I've had some hard hits, um, but that one was like real big. I mean, it knocked yeah. the transmission up through the floor and into like the center bar. I don't know what that exact bar is called, but knocked the tra- back. I mean, it broke the bar, my dash. It broke my dash apart, the brake pedal and stuff. My feet, I had my foot on the brake when I hit him because I was trying to s- slow down as much as I could 
after stopping, after crossing the line, I kind of like lifted and hit the brakes as I was crossing the line. Cause I knew it was going to be close with what was happening in front of me, I, but I couldn't see. And then, um, yeah, so my foot was on the brakes. So when I hit him, it's like, yeah, my foot, hmm. yeah, the broke the brake pedal. Like it was an incredibly, incredibly hard hit. It's one of those Gosh. ones where you just like, wait a minute. And you're like, am I okay? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, everything seems to be fine. Cause you're like, your adrenaline, everything's yeah. so high. Like you don't, know that you're hurt until you know that you're hurt so it yeah. like takes a minute to sell them but that but i was okay and i got out and and i actually drove home after the race from atlanta to to charlotte so i i was fine and i uh stopped and got a freddy's cheeseburger and their little hey. steak fries and whoo i like freddy's where does freddy's rank uh among fast food burgers my girlfriend and i had this debate the other day uh particularly oh about God. in and out burger i like culver's a lot. I love Culver's too because they got cheese curds, man. Ooh, How do you give up cheese they do. curds, dude? I, I like know, a Freddy's like, burger. I like a Freddy's burger too, and I like their fries a lot. It's it is more pricey. It's on a little bit more on the pricier yeah. side than some fast foods, but yeah, I mean, I definitely like it better than In and Out. I don't like even being from being born in California and like always being like, oh, we got to go to now, we got to go to now. Like it's good, but like I don't think it's it's definitely not better than Freddy's. Like it's not even close. No. It's, in and out Burger is like their burger might be a little bit better than Whataburger, but everything else at Whataburger is better. To yeah, me. Whataburger like, is a, a everything, better restaurant. What, yeah, so I don't get it. And like their fries <laughs> in and out are basically inedible. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I see like Five Guys to me is like maybe the best burger, but that's not really fast food because you, you, do they even have a drive-thru there? Like I don't – I don't think they have a drive-thru. You got to have no. – to me, you have to have a drive-thru to be considered true fast food. That's yeah. just my yeah. – that's my hot take. Well, yeah. um, not to get too off topic. I know we're talking about Atlanta. Um, you know, The Xfinity race I think stole the show this week in many Josh ways. Josh Williams. Josh yeah. Williams. We get to talk about it. What was your view of Josh Williams? Did you see Josh Williams get out, get out and park his car on the front stretch? So my spotter, my spotter and crew chief were like laughing and they're like, oh my God. I'm like, well, I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, there's debris on the front stretch. That was their <laughs> joke to me. They're like, there's debris on the front stretch. I'm mm, like, debris? get the sweepers out. <laughs> why are you like, what are you, yeah, why are you laughing? I thought like a fan, like I'm going down the back stretch. I thought a fan or somebody threw something on the track that was like inappropriate or mm -hmm. something funny. Like, like, that's what I'm thinking. Why they're, why, cause like, why are they laughing so hard and telling me there's debris on the track? So I get, a, I turn the corner. And I'm like, oh, this is a whole car. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? What? Like, what's going on? They're like, yeah, Josh Williams just parked his car on the front stretch and got out. So then I start looking down the pit lane, and I can, and at, when I got there, I could like see him walking down the pit lane, basically, like he had just kind of come out of the grass and was walking down the pit lane, and um, that's what I saw. And I'm like, wow. I'm like. <laughs> that's pretty i mean i thought it was funny i know nascar probably didn't think it was funny since they kept him in nascar prison for two and a half hours <laughs> but i was like wow that is funny like and i know the fans also fans loved it. it it was entertainment it, and it, it was the most entertaining part of that race uh yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to the product um but it was the first half was like we were waiting for something to ease the tension from that first half and josh williams uh delivered that so we the fans at for home sure. we appreciated it josh we won't help pay your fine but hopefully denny does that if if you do get but we're filming this before any official ruling has come down so we That's don't know correct, yeah. we don't know if he'll well, get a penalty I just think, you know, at the end of the day, NASCAR is, it's for entertainment. It's a sport that's, that people watch for entertainment. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we have to be entertaining and you need stuff like that to happen to create the drama and the excitement and the entertainment in the sport. So I hope NASCAR is not too hard on him because like, 
yes, it's like to them, it's annoying and, and it's a disrespectful type style move to do that. But like at the same time, like the amount of like the, the videos, everything, it went viral, like ESPN reported on it. Like it was huge for the sport, really. It got a lot more attention yeah. on the sport. So I hope like they NASCAR can appreciate the entertainment value that came out of it. And, and like, you know, if I had to guess, I'm I'm hoping like at the least it's maybe like a small fine and maybe some points. But, you know, hopefully not a suspension or anything like that. I don't yeah. think it, it I don't think he deserves that part of it. But um obviously they have to do something to make sure to try to make sure that that doesn't happen again but man it was just uh yeah that was it was very very entertaining i want to know how the hauler meeting because yeah he sat in nascar jail for two and a half hours uh and then <laughs> yeah and then he had to deal with uh, uh, wayne Otten, the series director mm-hmm. brennan have you ever been in the hauler have you been called to the hauler post race yeah i've been oh. in the hauler before i've been yelled at by wayne um <laughs> <laughs> so what's that like can you give us some insight yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's a little awkward. It, it, at least it feels my my experiences in there have been awkward and felt just like a little bit uncomfortable because like it's definitely their domain and you're a little bit out of your element and and you don't want um, to make them any more mad than you already have made them. So, mm-hmm. you know, but um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely you know you you almost in a way feel like a kid getting yelled at by your your parent or something like that in a way like. <laughs> <laughs> that's just kind of how it feels but like you just can't like i remember my crew chief telling me like listen they're just like don't say anything when you're in there but i remember wayne asked <laughs> me like well, what do you yeah well just you just like just be quiet let them yell at you and then they'll get it all out and then we can leave and i was like okay so i went in there but then wayne asked me a question like directly to me that like needed an answer and he was like what do you think i should do so then I told him what I thought he should do. And then he told me that I shouldn't tell him what he should be doing. And, I, <laughs> and it was like large, like he yelled at me big time. And I'm like, okay, whoops, I guess. That's funny. I guess I shouldn't have said anything and should have just. It was a trick question. Quietly and I, it was a trick question and he got me good. And, uh, and then, and then, yeah. And then we left and I, I don't think I was in there for a career. I wasn't, I wasn't locked up for two and a half hours, mm. but I was, I was in there for, for about an hour or so. So it was, um, it's just one of those things, um, that you go through and I'm sure Josh got yelled at pretty good either. The, and maybe they had some laughs in there too. Like you're still in trouble, <laughs> but, but in this scenario, I'm betting there was some laughs also had amongst the conversation. Granted, a lot of yelling probably going down, but in 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 talking about the situation and in explaining NASCAR's sides of things and why you can't do that. But I'm sure there was some joyous moments in there. Hopefully also. they found some even ground, some peace. Josh yeah. when when Josh Williams came out of the hauler and spoke to reporters, he seemed uh he seemed very mellow. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. He definitely looked like he'd had, I don't know, the wrath of God uh instilled in him, perhaps uh by Wayne Otten. It's funny. So I met Wayne Otten actually for the first time last year at Phoenix, the end of the season. I was walking through the garage and uh and someone introduced me to him. Like, have you ever met Wayne Otten? I'm like, I have not. So Wayne was nice enough to give me a tour of the Xfinity Series hauler, uh, showed me all the different cameras they have where they make a lot of live um decisions during the race, and I was like really impressed but he was such a cheerful genuine nice yeah. guy and i kn- in the back of my head i'm like 
this is the series director. I know this is the guy who has to yeah. be the enforcer. He's got to turn that on when uh, duty calls. And I don't know, my one interaction with him, it's so hard for me to see him getting angry and scary. But uh, clearly, uh, that I mean, that's what the job calls for. So that, that's he funny. is so nice. Like my, my rookie year, because he does the, just the rookie meeting for all the rookies. And yeah, just so kind and so nice and just like a great guy. But then also can, yeah, there's a switch. Yeah. They, they can flip it on and... And uh, it can be brutal, but uh, yeah, I like Wayne. I think he does a great job, and and uh, it's awesome of him to show you that trailer. I've, I've, I've been in there, so <laughs> so I know I know what it's like. But uh, but but yeah, that's that's cool. That's awesome. Well, um, our guest this week is Carson Hosevar. Uh, he is a Craftsman Truck Series driver. Really fun. Really exciting. Uh, fun fact, Brennan. So when I started on YouTube uh, a long time ago, when I was in high school, and I was doing. NASCAR stop motion videos with uh, different diecast cars to sort of tie this into our sponsor. I probably ordered some from Circle B Diecast way back in the day, um, but I would do stop motion videos with these diecast cars and I would ask viewers to kind of like sign up or sponsor a car. So like, you know, the the 20 car would have you know a list of YouTube users that were supporting the car for this series of videos I would do. And that's how I got my start on YouTube. And I found out a few years ago that Carson Hosevar actually signed up for a car in one of my early <laughs> YouTube stop motion series. So this guy, like I'm 25, Brennan, how old are you? You're, you're 30, 31, 31, 31. Yeah. Carson's 20 years old. He's up and coming. Uh, but it's, it feels weird to know that in a way he's been on my radar since he was probably 13 years old. I don't know how old he would have been back then. So I think that's that pretty is, cool. That is really cool. That's awesome, man. It's so and random. I, 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 I yeah. How random is that? Yeah, that kid sponsored a car in your show and then has made it to one of the NASCAR top three series. Yeah, Pretty I think cool. that's crazy. So uh, with, with that being said, we'd like to invite Carson onto uh, Power Hour. Let's bring him in now. Carson Hosevar joins Power Hour. Brennan, you and I are now joined by a very special guest, the second guest in the history of Power Hour. Let's hope we don't screw this one up. Carson Hosevar, a Nice Motorsports driver in the Craftsman Truck Series. Carson, it's great to have you on. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Thanks, Brennan. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, we made the joke that, uh, you know, I'm used to second. So thanks for having me on second, just to kind of remind me of that. We, we really meant nothing by it, uh, but we do appreciate it. Uh, maybe our next show, you can be the first guest. Brennan and I will relaunch this. We'll rebrand it. We'll have to make that happen. But first, I want to ask you, Carson, about North Wilkesboro, because I saw yesterday you were one of the few truck series drivers making laps uh, on the racetrack. I, I don't know. Were these the first like actual truck series laps on North Wilkesboro in like a decade? I, I don't know. But that's awesome. How was it? It was really fun. It was cool just to walk into the place. They have at least 200, 300 people working on that place construction wise all around the whole deal. Um, so it was just cool to, it took me 20 minutes to figure out how to get in the place. Honestly, there's a, there's a really small little, I don't know if it's a go-kart track or like an RC car track or something that some of the neighbor has. And I caught myself looking and taking pictures there. And, um, you know, I, by accident went around the whole facility trying to find the entrance because there's so much construction. There's so many cars that, but it just got me a good look of everything and i got to see it all and so that part was really cool just even before getting into the place and you know i think i walked i'm not normally the person that does the track walk i've always skip it and i always just kind of like oh if i don't if i go in blind I, I i won't know what to expect and i'll just kind of pick it up as i go but i walked that racetrack three times just having fun i facetimed 
my late model crew guys um just to show them and you know they ran the late model race there so i got to talk with them and it's just such a cool place the, we were all i ran three four hundred laps there um wow. yesterday and i was still learning i was more than every other truck um that was there there were two others and I ran the most laps out of all of them. I was not, we were nonstop on the racetrack. We just took it for, I was more so just wanted to have fun, but they, they were wanting to learn every little bit they could. And, um, so we got all the laps we could out of that place. And I was still learning by lap 400. Like I was still trying to, I still found something new or some little crack. You're just constantly searching. You're constantly looking as the tires wear. Oh, you know, you got to run this line. You know, you got to turn, you know, now you, can, you can't get away with what you got away with. So it's so cool. I mean, it was three seconds of fall off in 50 laps. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like It's so much fun. Like you're instantly feel like you have, you're a hero for about three, four laps because you, you just got done with a 30 lap run fully, you know, wore out sideways, terrible driving at 30, let alone try to get to 50. We struggled to get to 50 and when we got there, it was now all of a sudden you go three seconds faster. You feel like a hero, even though you got no, don't have that much grip. So it was just, and it instantly goes back away. So it was super fun to have that sort of feel rather than, you know, worry about being trimmed out and trying to go the fastest wide open. It was just a really big change of pace to go from Atlanta to there. Yeah. Do you wow. feel like, that's going to be like a pretty big advantage for you guys to have gotten that much testing in to get that many laps for you as a driver to, you know, sort of see the place and get laps on it before you're going to run the race. Like it has to be a pretty big advantage for you guys. Yeah. I think, I think there's obviously going to be an advantage. I don't know if a hundred percent that it's going to be like a team advantage a hundred percent. I think obviously us knowing what's real, what's not, but like we unloaded, pretty dang close honestly we all three did um you know all our cars drove terrible just because of how wore out the place was but i don't i don't think you could get that much better honestly like we all all three of us have didn't do any sim didn't really have anything and yet our travels were really close like everything was really close so if we nailed it with no preparation and now we give all the other team you know all the other teams now have manufacturer sim and data i think we're all gonna you know, we're all going to load unload pretty close. Um, I just think driver wise, you know, unless those guys go do long runs as much as us, you know, it's going to be a, a little bit of a driver advantage, if anything, but team wise and unloading wise, like, you know, Tricon has five trucks, you know, they have, they have five trucks. So that's five trucks that now know everything. So I think it's, it's going to be that sort of deal. Like obviously the manufacturers are really going to spread this information out. Everybody's going to be asked. There were a lot of Thor sport crew got crew chiefs, uh, KBM crew chiefs, BMR, like, like there were a lot of crew chiefs and drivers and, you know, people showing up, even Ross showed up, you know, um, to just look and get all the information. So they, I think everybody's going to be pretty aware and all the teams are going to be up to speed. Uh, it's just going to be if the drivers can get up to speed. And I think, having those just extra laps rather than a simulator is going to be crucial. Yeah. I think a lot of fans are absolutely looking forward to uh, that weekend coming up here in just a couple months. It's great to hear that the track still has a lot of character. So uh, I, I know I'm looking forward to it, um, but looking forward 
uh, as well, Carson, you announced an Xfinity Series deal with uh, Spire Motorsports, a part-time deal. How did that deal come together, and and what are you looking forward to most? Uh, I mean, honestly, this has been coming together for six, eight months. Um, long time talks, and there were a lot of talks with other teams. Honestly, um, I don't know if I'm technically should say this or allowed to say it, but. I mean, that rumor that I was talking about the nine car, right? I mean, that wasn't, I mean, the rumors, some, there's some truth to every rumor. This was like late last year. So the oh, rumors yeah. of the nine, I was like, how do you, like, honestly, I was like, how do people know this stuff? Like, I was barely aware of this. Like, how does anybody know this? Like, and it was not like, it was like really quick talks. Like, you know, everybody in the garage talks and everybody asks what you're doing and everybody talks. And so I was, like we talked about it right we mm-hmm. t- had little talks you know i talked with uh three other top xfinity teams right like you 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 just talk or yeah. even like i never personally talk but you're you're business people and you're you you have a team and brendan knows you have a team that talks and you know every team's asking you know i got calls from other organizations slash manufacturers before and you know nothing come nothing comes of it talks really cheap so when I saw that, I I hardcore played into it last year. I was like, oh, this is this is funny. Like this is hilarious. And then Drew Dollar, and I was like, okay, hold on, I got like he's doing it. He's doing it way too much. Like I was, just, I just did one. Um, but no. So I tweeted the seven because it was. So I tweeted originally the tweet for the seven because it was going to be seven p.m. Yeah. And I was going to put seven like t.n. like seven tonight or something because I was like, ah, oh, every every driver teases something i was like oh, i should kind of do something rather than oh hey i'm doing this so i'm like oh, i should take this a little seriously so i was like oh i'll put a seven and then when i retweet it it'll say seven seven so it's like seven to nine and then like on my page you, oh. if you look it'll say seven seven that's big brain that's see that's smarter yeah. than twitter is <laughs> yeah i was like hey no big deal and then i was at this niche shop i wasn't really doing a whole lot and a handful came up i didn't have my phone on and a handful came up and they said hey uh i'm getting texts about you driving a cup car like your phone like my phone's blowing up from notifications of your deal and i looked at my phone and like i plugged it in and charged it and instantly like 700 notifications came up a handful of text messages people were congratulating me Oh on my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, no, like a handful of my buddies were like mad. I didn't say anything to them. They're like, oh, I thought you were doing this deal. What happened to this? Like, no. Um, so yeah, I basically I basically gave the nine card. I basically played Richard or Mr. H for like about 20 minutes or a few hours that Corey LaJoy was going to the nine car and I was going to the seven car and I was just a master plan. And, I think was hilarious was obviously Hendrick had it, it made enough attention that Hendrick posted their release like two hours earlier. Even though even though I <laughs> went to the I went to the Chevrolet like gym or whatnot and Josh was in there like looking over data with me. We we're both looking at data for Phoenix because I was doing track house you know simulator stuff for Phoenix and he was doing simulator for Hendrick. So we were both looking at it. So I'm like yeah, he's trying to hang guard. Like I'm, he's right here. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, I literally just outed him on Twitter. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I was I, like, I yeah, wondered I, about I, that. You, you broke the internet without even trying. 
Yeah. And I was like, man, I wasn't trying to do that. Just I didn't you even how much power I didn't even influence see the you angle. Have. I didn't even see the angle. I was like, how did what am I missing you? And I'm like, whoa, that's a big stretch. <laughs> it, it was definitely a couple of steps uh removed for sure. Um I just love that. I love that your uh your hints, your teasers on Twitter are just too smart for Twitter, quite honestly. Like I I, I you expect way too much of the internet, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that or like I just like I just happen to have like the biggest coincidence ever and I just fall into it and then I play into it really hard. Like I just I play into it really big um by like accident. Like the seven, like mm-hmm. of all things, I was I was literally just at a like I was getting ready to pull out. I was like, I I should probably tweet something and I, I left JRM and I'm like, hey, I should probably tweet something. I'm like seven seven to nine seven seventy seven like i was trying to hit something and i was like ah seven and just tweeted Mm. and then left it's amazing what one digit can uh create on the internet the stir it can cause uh well okay you are driving the 77 uh for a few races this year so uh, i mean what kind of are your expectations making that jump into xfinity and brennan can probably chime in here as obviously he's racing the xfinity he was once a first time xfinity series driver i mean what are you looking out for I mean, for me, like my, my debut was Las Vegas in 2015 and, um, I hadn't raced uh, really that much. So at least Carson for you, you've got, you've been doing such an amazing job in the trucks and, um, you've been fighting hard for more and better opportunities. So like, I'm happy to see you get, get this shot and to be able to get your, get your debut in, in the Xfinity car. And, and, uh, man, I think one, I think you're going to have a lot of fun and soak up just, um, that first one is just always special, you know, like you never forget the first one in any series, whether it's truck, Xfinity cup, whatever it is that you do, like that first one is always a, a special one. And, and, uh, man, you're going to be in a hot rod too. So you're gonna have a great, a great opportunity. So you have to, you have to be feeling good about it and excited for the, for the opportunity to drive a car. You're not going to have a, you're not going to have a bed anymore behind you, man. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a trunk, a car and truck. So I know. It's different. I know. I sat in it thinking like, honestly, I was, I was, pretty nervous about it um in the sense like i was like man like it's gonna like i'm tight in the truck and like i drove an arca car at phoenix and like it threw me off of how like little the window was like i feel cramped but like i sat next to the car i'm like okay this isn't this isn't that bad and you know i felt pretty comfortable in it but but no i think i think realistic expectations is to run top like top 10 every every run like at at some point in the run you always run halfway decent whether you finish there or not that's a different story and that's that's a bit of luck but if you have some sort of top 10 speed and you know being there's about 12 to 13 brennan knows there's about 12 to 13 a program cars and then there's that bit of gap you know so if i can if i cannot run two of the a program cars that puts me 10th and you know if that's a solid day that that's that's what i want to be at at uh, sort of the bare minimum and anything more would be above expectations. Yeah, I mean, you're in the Xfinity series now, full-time in trucks, but now you're making that jump. And I know you're only 20 years old, right? Like still very young, still learning so much, but uh, I guess I wanna ask you for a lot of fans who are starting to follow your journey the past couple of years, can you give us a little insight into where you started racing, kind of your early beginnings? Like what was the first jumping off point that really got you uh, into the top ranks of NASCAR where you are today? Ah, well, it comes back to just meeting Johnny Benson for by by accident, really. Um, My dad had a little local 
coin jewelry shop in Michigan and does very well, mainly because he works 130 hours and doesn't have many employees. And uh, my mom works there and they work nonstop. So they, they, they don't have to have other employees. And the more they work, um, obviously, the better that that little business is going to do. And, you know, they, they do everything they can for racing. And when I was growing up, they knew I wanted to be a race car driver and figure it out. And there was a local track 20 minutes from me named Kalamazoo Speedway. And they got approached with us. That was back when racing was short track racing. Everybody went to that was a normal thing. You know, there were 20 local sponsorship sponsors on cars and he got offered one. He's like, well, you're probably going to end up racing here. He's like, I, you know, I'll do some little small sponsor and just understand it all. He's like, I'll figure it out and understand it. And learn racing he's it's not that much and the guy said he needs a job so we'll hire him and just kind of offset it and the guy that i met ended up working for my dad for 15 16 years and he's happened to build get race cars built by johnny benson back then johnny built race cars and built late models so that grew and you know their relationship all grew and I grew and I you know, went to the racetrack every weekend. I was literally was an absolute menace and tore up that ra little racetrack. I lived there. I lived there. The gates opened. I lived there. I knew every race car driver there. I had all their autographs. I, I literally, you know, I would go up and announce, I would go up and flag. I would, they, whatever they wanted just cause I, I was, I was everybody's buddy that, that place. So, um, but once I started growing up and, being a chance to maybe go run late models. Um, we asked Johnny was selling his race car. He was kind of getting out of racing uh, at least that time. And he's like, oh, I kind of want to be done and this and that. So we went to look at his car and he had me go test his late model. And he wanted to, he liked me enough and saw something maybe. I don't, I don't, he's probably pretty crazy to let a 12 year old drive his late model and um, want to take him on. But, uh, he grew, you know, he, I drove for him for two, three years, uh, at Berlin and he taught me everything. He taught, taught me how to stock car drive. And, um, about when I was 14 or when I turned 15, he wanted to help, help my dad. Like he, he taught me how to stock car race. He taught me everything. And then he taught my dad the business side of it and where, where to go, what direction, you know, run with this ARCA car and, you know, they want to give you a shot and, you know, get your part. He gave us partners to go race. Uh, you know, he gave me all his local Michigan sponsors and I've been able to grow that. And that's how I was able to late mile race. It's still how I'm able to late mile race. And it's how I was go able to go Arca racing and uh, just got really fortunate with Jordan Anderson and niece that they were in the same building and racing for Jordan two times that I didn't even think was going to be worth it. Johnny called me and said, you're ridiculous. Go do this thing. If you run 15th, everybody's going to think you're a hero and ran, ran those two cars and got a call from Alan East and um and Cody Ifaw and they were able to they want they they were fortunate enough or I was fortunate enough they want they were okay with losing money for two three years to let me drive a race car and um you know now we're here now with Wex Racing and everything's covered and they're finally able to make money off me hopefully so <laughs> it's uh it's it's that's a long, long story, real short, yeah. but uh, really fortunate. You know, if Johnny didn't give me, didn't 
nickel and gouge and do every favor he could for all his partners that when he went to Michigan, he, he, they covered all his race and I wouldn't have been able to race. Yeah. Wow. That, that's an incredible like, mentor to have take you under your wing and the support. That's, that's insane. And uh, yeah, you mentioned when you made those starts for Jordan Anderson, that's when I first noticed that was the first time I saw you uh, in NASCAR was uh, in those races. And uh, that was the first time you ever got on my radar. And now here you are full time in trucks, making some Xfinity starts. Uh, I want to talk to you about your truck series season a little bit. Uh, I know uh, you said that this season, your team has more resources. There's more pressure on you than maybe last season there was. So can you explain that a little bit? Like, do you work better under that pressure? Like how much faster or similar are your trucks this year compared to last year? I just think overall, um, they're just better. Um, you know, there's just more funding in the building. There's, uh, we're able to upgrade our trucks. You know, we don't have to take a less truck and expect to still run the same spot, you know, still run top five. Um, just able to just do all the little things, you know, we're able to, you know, if we find a, you know, if we gain something in the wind tunnel, we can apply it everywhere. You know, we weren't used to do that. Like if we found something in the wind tunnel, we'd run that truck everywhere until it crashed or until it got damaged. And um, then we try to fix it, try to replicate it, try to put it back to that spot. And it was tough to put it back to that spot. Um, you know, that, you know, Brennan knows it's tough to stuff to build. You could build something by accident, make a game, and then you don't, don't know what you did. You know, there, even if you try, you, it's that one little bolt or one little flex or one little anything that's making 20, 30, whatever more downforce or less drag you know just whatever the case so it's just tough when you don't have your whole fleet and everything's kind of inconsistent you're trying to build a um you know you're you know you go to charlotte and you really really good low grip and you try to build the same setup to go to kansas and all of a sudden you're totally different you know you just can't build your program if your bodies are you know you're um just everything's a little different so being able to just kind of streamline our fleet and just be able to upgrade and make sure everything's as close as possible just to build our our notebook you know and get better springs better shocks better pick throughs um just a little bit of everything just to be able to have that a level funding or a level program just is it's so hard to win races so to be able to just iron out little details is just really what's big and this has been a long process and i got handed wex racing basically on a, on a platter and got really fortunate that I met the guy at Bristol dirt. I met them. I met them. Uh, you know, we were going to do a three race, four race deal just cause he's like, sure, I'll help you out. I'll help the company, whatever. But it was really a Dean Thompson Ross deal. And, um, I led 55 laps and ran second. That was the first time I ever really shook the, shook the guy's hand. It was my third time ever meeting him. And he said he would help, help me out a little bit. And by the end of the race, we ran so good he had the he had the rest of the races i had open in next year like it's it's so cool to have all that and um just be in the spot of where we are and be able to to grow yeah absolutely fast cars uh with that comes some pressure i know you said earlier this season and i don't remember the exact quote but you in so many words said that if you don't win this year either you or your crew chief are getting fired so i mean does that like light a fire are you kind of lighting a fire underneath yourself yeah. with that kind of comment well, obviously, like, you know, I say that metaphorically, right? If we, 
Phil's not getting fired. I promise you that. He's not. He's he's the he's the backbone of this company. If anything, it's mm-hmm. me. But you know, I kind of said that as a joke. You know, because you know, it's, at the same point, there's probably some truth to it in a sense of we'll have to look ourselves in the mirror and wonder what's wrong, or I'll have to look myself in the mirror and wonder what I'm doing wrong. You know, we have we were able to do a lot lot with a little last year, more so Phil. He was able to hand me race trucks that. I can get up on the wheel and muscle, you know, and, and make something out of them rather than, you know, it's, he still had to give me handling to be able to go faster and be able to make up speed, which is really hard to do. So for him to do that with less is huge. So now that we have everything in a sense, it should be easier, but at the same time, it's also tougher because, you know, it, it, you almost can outthink yourself. We've been, he's been having, or we have been having to outthink and outwork and nonstop. Well, now I especially can afford to slow down. I sat in a trailer at Sonoma with Ty Norris and he looked at me and he said, boy, you're faster than almost everybody in this garage. He's like, when are you going to learn to smarten up and go slower? I said, I don't know how I, I can only drive off instinct. Like I can only, I can make up speed by not thinking and literally being up on the wheel. Like I could, I couldn't breathe, you know, and that's why I put myself in worse spots. And, you know, I couldn't, I never had time to think. And I felt like everybody around me was, you know, in the top five, their stuff was handling so good where I had to outwork them to get there where they were just there off raw speed. So for us to have raw speed Vegas, I was the most comfortable and felt like I was the smartest race I've ever had to do because I was able to think the raw speed was in the truck and not in my my hands, you know, in the, in the steering wheel and in my foot and constantly just sideways to make speed. So it's it's really good to see that, and, and hopefully we can continue to build this package. It's so different. Everything's so different that we'll have to sort of – we won't be able to A, B, just because it, it is going to handle different, but we're going to be able to, I think, you know, our, our ceiling's a lot higher that me and Phil and – we work so good together. He's, I have a lot of, I, I have tread with this lightly. I have a lot of dads. I have a lot of families, but like racing families, racing dads and racing whatnot. So, um, you know, he's definitely one of them and Al niece is one of them. So it's, it's super huge for, for all that to just be able to work together as well as we do and laugh and just know that what I say he hears and what, uh, you know, what he says I hear and, work really well and none of us has egos you know we just try and try and make the trucks go fast and bring our friends to the racetrack i think that was really well said i think that's one of the best explanations uh, i've heard i mean you touched on a lot of different things there but everything that you said is like i mean yeah i mean you're you're exactly spot on with that and uh, i think you've got a pretty amazing story and um it's awesome to hear it direct from you. I know I've like, I raced with you a few times over the years here and there and chatted with you a little bit, but um, it was, it was really cool to um, hear you talk about everything where you're at this year um, to hear how excited you are about the Xfinity opportunity. I'm excited for you for that. And um, yeah, to just see where you're headed and to just hear a little bit behind the scenes of how you got to where you're at. I mean, that was, um, you know, I don't even think I knew all of those things. And so that was just uh, man, that was just really cool, cool to hear. So 
keep the faith, man, and keep keep digging. Uh, you're 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 right there, and and you and I both know how difficult it is to win these races. I've I've finished second a few few times myself I, I crossed the line first one time and then didn't even win that's how difficult these things are to win so so um you know i i think um you know you guys are on the verge and so it's awesome to see um nice and and get to where they're at and how you've been a part of building that program and and um, um you know hopefully we'll uh we'll see you celebrating um here soon yeah what um hat are you gonna break out uh if you if you win a race do you have like a favorite in your collection that you're kind of saving for the opportune moment uh i mean is it a secret i could i i could be that guy and like wear a king hat like just like a <laughs> king crown i could oh, be man. that guy if i ever won the championship i'd show up in the daytona with like i would be that guy That'd be like fair. i don't have that big of an ego to pull that off or like <laughs> that big of like just arrogance but like that would be like i think like so hilarious like i even though it's just the truck series like you could maybe get away with that in cup but i don't know but <laughs> yeah. i i really haven't done a lot of hats you know companies spending the money they do they they i'd notice they, i wonder they could they could buy my hat but also too like i just wanted to make sure that there was zero excuses zero anything that i was not focused right like i was i've been working i've been in the shop i've been doing so much data like everything like i know everything around me is a level program right so i want to make sure i was a level on myself and i nobody could point fingers or say that i wasn't focused and not putting in work so um that's why i haven't done it just because i don't want another excuse of of anything you know i really haven't granted i can blow up twitter with one number but um you know i haven't i've tried to stay off my phone uh, I've tried not to play a lot of social media games. Like I've just tried, you know, I've got great people around me. Um, I have a babysitter now at the racetrack basically just so I don't have to manage as much as I used to, like just want to be able to go to the racetrack and focus on racing and make sure I'm at the top of my game, just because I know on, you know, my pit crews at the top of their game, everybody in the shops is top of their game and working hard. They were all here until, uh, you know, midnight after, you know, being at Wilkesboro and I was here till midnight with them. Like I wanted to be here. I wanted to show up here at 6 a.m. just to make sure I beat all of them here. But I had to go to Chevrolet gym at seven. So it wasn't logistically possible. But I just want to make sure I nailed everything. And um, so that's why and I feel bad because you know I want to stay true to myself and a lot of people loved them and I really didn't think that many people would miss them. But um I said once we win a few races or win a race and get the momentum rolling. Um, you know, I could finally look, think uh, I, I can get a, back away with that. It makes sense to me. Well, hopefully Carson, you're in a Phoenix battling for a championship in a few months. And if you win that championship, yeah, I'd love to see a crown. You got to bring something back at least for a one-time deal. I don't know. I don't know if I just outed myself, but I would definitely do it. That or something. I would think it's something good. Like I would definitely just run it over my, like, I just think it's so cool. Like when any like sports athlete just like either calls their shot and then just <laughs> plays the part after they win, like that would be, that's just the coolest thing ever. So like, I would have to somewhat play and just remind everybody that like that or like I'll show up in like a red craftsman camping world track champion, whatever, like jacket or something. I've I would given too many of these ideas play. away. Someone's going to, someone's I listening. I, would roll, I, I have, I have a bazillion ideas, but I'd, I'd roll into something and everybody would be reminded of it. 
I like it. Well, uh, fingers crossed we get to see that later this year. Um, Carson, thank you so much for being on this show. I think this was pretty great for our second uh, Power Hour guest. Hopefully those seconds Who was start- the first? Uh, Who was Dan- the first? Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez. Oh, my amigo. Yeah. You got to put a target <laughs> yeah. on his back I, now. I love, I love Daniel. I call him my amigo, and he calls me my friend. So it's hilarious. <laughs> That's how you know you're in with Daniel. If he's calling you uh, his amigo, he means it. He's genuine. Well, he calls he calls me his friend because he calls everybody else amigo, and I say amigo to him, so he says friend. Oh. So we switch languages because I don't know any. That's the only Spanish word I know. All right. <laughs> I appreciate you being on, Carson. Uh, I was saying that hopefully uh, these seconds start to turn into firsts very, very soon. Uh, I know we all like what we're seeing. Good luck the rest of this season, and good luck with your uh, Xfinity Series debut coming up. Appreciate you being on. Thanks, Eric. Huge thank you again to Carson Hosevar for uh, coming on the show, being a part of Power Hour presented by Circle B Diecast. Again, you can use code OOTG for free shipping on orders over $30. That's circlebdiecast.com. Uh, Brennan, do you have a special diecast that you want to uh, talk about this week? Well, I wanted to bring out the ever so classic Ray Everham cars that he did way back in the day this is a this is a a name that many people may not know or have forgotten about but it is casey atwood it's signed okay so it's on the hood on the hood it's pretty it's pretty legit and i as a kid you know casey atwood when i was younger he was like the up-and-coming guy like he was like Mm -hmm. you know he got this huge deal for everham and like you know there's so much talks that he was going to be like you know, the one. And so I remember getting this uh, signed Casey Atwood car and just like being pretty hyped about it. Like young Brennan was like, oh my God, it's signed. Like this is this kid. He's going to be, you know, like the guy. So um, this cool. car has always been, yeah, this car has always been a special car to me. And I also, I was a Jeff Gordon fan. So Ray Everham to me also was like, you know, a, a pretty important guy to me in my life. So this being his team and getting this car and getting this young driver that he believed in, like as a kid, as a young kid trying to make it, like this was cool to me. So uh, to have this autographed car was like super special. That's a cool one. I should have saved you for last because I think you've upstaged me. I've got uh, Jimmy Johnson. It's not signed. 2003 uh, Lowe's Chevrolet right before, well, I guess guess two, three years before he went on his five championships in a a row run. Uh, But the last year, the Winston Cup Series, I wanted to highlight this Jimmy scheme. One, because it's classic. This is, in my opinion, some of the best years of the Lowe's schemes, the early years. Um, but uh, he's also coming back to race at Circuit of the Americas this weekend. So I uh, figured I'd show it off since Jimmy Johnson's going to be on the racetrack and in the headlines here in just a few days. Um, but yeah, there you go. Jimmy at Johnson. least you've got that. You picked a car or someone that's coming and racing this weekend. And mine, guys, like I, I don't even know what Casey I wouldn't do anymore. <laughs> okay, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess mine's a little more relevant. For the weekend. Yours is more relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you to Circle B Diecast as always for sponsoring Power Hour. Use code OOTG for free shipping on orders over $30. Link to their uh, website is down in the description below if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, but thank you to Circle B for supporting the show. And thank you, fans, for listening to our first episode a few weeks ago with Daniel Suarez. Was blown away by the support on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, We're everywhere you listen to this show. Uh, we really appreciated it. We also took some fan questions. This week, Brennan, uh, I've picked out a few questions that fans asked fans asked you that I'm going to ask Ooh. you now today on their behalf. Okay. And uh, right. do you have some questions for me picked out? 
I do. I have. I have them. They're in. They're written into my in my phone. So. I'm terrified of what they may be. Well, I'm gonna go and get started, Brendan. There's a question for you from Harvick for the win 570. What are some things in racing that people don't understand just from watching on TV? Hmm. Well, that's a really good question because there are a lot of different things that I personally always wish the fans could experience. Um, you know, for example, you know, what it really feels like in the car when you're, you know, in a big pack side by side or three wide in the middle and you're, and you're making all these decisions and how quick you actually have to make these decisions and how much you have to anticipate things happening before they happen in Mm -hmm. order to, you know, get a good result or run a good race or uh, miss a wreck, like all those things. And it's, I think it's hard for the fan watching on TV to see those things, um, it's, it's difficult to see them even in real life in the stands, at least in the stands at the race, you can really, like, if your drivers in the race, like you're a fan of whoever you can watch them the whole time and listen to the radio and see the moves and see the decisions that they're making. Where on TV, you miss some of those amazing moves that get made, you know, in the middle part of the pack or around 10th or ninth or whatever they miss, you miss some of those moves. You're like, Oh my gosh, that was crazy. Did you see that? So like, to me, those those are like at track experiences you get to have, but the fans just miss out on yeah. on some of those things on, on on TV and that feeling of like, man, if a fan could really feel like what it feels like to be in the corner behind someone messing around with the dirty air and like, why is it so difficult to pass that car? Like, why won't that driver just pass that guy? It's like, well, we can't. Like, we're trying, but we, you just can't get there because of the air or, or they've moved around. Now they're taking your line away. Like that type of stuff. I wish the fans could feel what that feeling is like when you're driving the car. And I think that's one thing that's challenging in NASCAR is that we have football and golf and basketball and baseball and all this stuff. Like anybody can play those sports or has that the ability yeah. to do that where, you know, racing is a little bit more challenging for just, you know, uh, uh, the casual person to have those, have those experiences, understand them. So really good question. And I just, I think for me, I just would really like for them, you know, to be able to feel what it actually feels like to be in the pack, to be in the car, to be that close and how quick things happen and the decisions you have to make and how quick you have to make them um, and do it without making a mistake, you know? Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. So it's my turn now to ask oh you the, the question. The, I don't even know what saying I was going to say. It's gone. You see, this is what happens when you hit things, kids. <laughs> gone. Um, no. Um, okay. So this person, um, sock pops props, your name. I don't know what sock like pops that. are, but it's, that's a, that's a crazy name. I like it a lot. Yeah. All right. Do you have any advice for someone looking into media slash content creation in the racing sphere? Hmm, that is uh, that's definitely a good question. That's a big question. The media landscape changes so fast. So I feel like my answer on this always changes slightly because I've been asked this question before. Um, I think the no, no matter what, if you want to work in media in any sport, in any industry, I think you need to first find the unique angle that you're uh, qualified to tell. Like, like what story are you uniquely qualified to, to tell? Where do you come from? Where's, what's your background and how can that benefit you? Like for me, I was a younger fan. I didn't have a lot of young fan, NASCAR fans in my day-to-day life to talk racing with. And NASCAR, older audience typically, a lot of the traditional media, NASCAR, a lot older. So I felt like there needed to be more voices speaking to the younger fans. I'm someone who got into the sport after the chase was implemented. And I feel like that's a unique perspective. And I, I lean into that, especially early on, I leaned into that very heavily. So um, no matter what you're interested in, if it's racing, find 
either a specific area of racing, a specific uh, story that you uh, that you've studied that you feel uniquely qualified to tell, because that's what will set you apart. If you just go in and do the same interviews, the same conversations, rehash the same quotes that everybody else is, it's easy to get lost. But if you're really talking about something differently or covering or highlighting something in a unique way, um, you'll stand out. And I think if you continue to work hard and do good work at that, eventually you'll you know kind of separate yourself from the herd. So. Uh, that's kind of big and open-ended, but I think the media landscape, the, the nice thing about 2023 is that with social media, it's easier than ever before to be your own publisher. You know, you can take a chance on yourself. You don't need someone else to take a chance on you. So just get out there and start doing it and see where it goes. That's my, that's my advice. Yeah, I think that was, uh, yeah, well said. I mean, you know more about that landscape than me, but I, I definitely agree with, with everything that you said. Good advice, Eric. Good advice. Uh, thank you. Whew, one for one. All right. Well, uh, let's <laughs> let's see if this keeps going well. Uh, toast is good. Uh, another toast is good. Very toast solid good. username. Uh, this is for you, Brennan. Uh, I want to start racing stock cars someday. How did you start racing in stock cars? Well, okay. Another good, good, fair question. I, I, um, you know, I raced quarter midgets, so I started when I was five. So I started racing at a very early age. Um, and then I sort of, you know, went from there and I raced legend cars, you know, and, and did, did that where that's the first time I ever, you know, changed gears. And I was 12, I think then. So, um, and then I raced dirt modifieds and dirt late models before I ever even raced a stock car. So the first time I ever drove a stock car, um, which was at Hickory motor speedway in North Carolina, baby, come out. And, um, it was, uh, it was, I was 19, I was 19 about to turn 20. So I was I was a lot older. So um, that's the first time I ever drove a full-bodied stock car on on pavement. You know, other than that, I'd only been doing stuff on dirt. So um, I think, you know, depending on where you're at in life and your age and what you want to do, I think the 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 thing to do is to try and get into maybe a a smaller car first, or like maybe a limited late model to 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 feel out what that's like with less power and um, a little bit more affordable too and they race on like used tires some weeks stuff like that and they you know they do some stuff in that in, in a limited late model deal or like a pro late model kind of deal um you know i think that would probably be the best route but if you're young i would say try to run a legend car or try to in in do something like that on pavement, you know, a bigger car, you have to change gears. It teaches you a lot. They're very difficult to drive. So that way, after you have some experience doing that, you could make that transition into like a limited late model or a full blown late model and uh, try to um, feel that out and make that, make that jump. But if you haven't raced anything, that would be tough. But if you're trying, if you have <laughs> been racing and you're racer and you're going to do it, I would say, you know, try to go, um, you know, test the late model at like your local short track or something. And, See if, see if it's for you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I hope that helps. Toast is good. Yeah. That sounded awesome like good name. advice to me. Toast Toast is good. That His screen name has given out good advice. Mm, toast is good. Just spit yeah, facts. All right. I guess uh, I'm up now. These, these do, 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 do. challenging questions, challenging questions. All right. I thought this was an interesting one because I okay. want to hear your thoughts on it, on what you would think. And, um, and this one is from Jared Chandler. Okay. And he wants to know if you could pick any car to race for the 2023 season, like which ride would you select? Which team, which car number, which, what, what team do you want to drive for? If you could pick any of them. 
Man, uh, I mean, obviously I'm not a race car driver, but uh, I guess I could just look at which cars seem most set up for success. I think you look at Hendrick Motorsports. If I could pick any car, I would pick one of those. Uh, I don't Are know you sure you want to be called a cheater, though? There's that. We'll see. I was going to say, just kidding. the only, <laughs> the only, I like how I just said, there is that. Like, like I'm just like, oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. knows. No. Um, uh, you know, with that, though, would come a lot of pressure. I feel like Hendrick Motorsports, and I, I don't know, I haven't been in the shop it's a little more no nonsense. I mean, you're expected to be the best. There is pressure that comes with that. You are the elite of the elite in the garage. So, you know, I, I don't know. Like there are other teams out there that maybe have a more inviting atmosphere that you could still have a lot of success at. Perhaps we always heard that Joe Gibbs racing was like a family. I don't know how much that is. that exists now. We've heard a little more maybe detractors from there the last couple of years with Kyle Busch leaving and, you know, and you know, less and less veterans being over there. But uh, I, I don't know. I think I would have to go Hendrick. I would have to probably pick the five or the nine car. But I don't know. William Byron and Rudy Fugel. Uh, do I like? Does the crew chief come with the car if I pick like the five I car? Think do so. I do I get Cliff Daniels with them? Like, is it yeah, a package deal? I, yeah, I think it's a package deal. I think you're just changing the driver out for yourself. All right. Uh, they'll have to move. They'll have to move the seat back if I drive uh, really anyone's car. Probably. They're gonna have to do. They're gonna have to figure <laughs> out all kinds of stuff in there. They may have to move the dash around. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't even. You got long enough arms too that maybe the shifter placement might be fine. You might, uh, depending on your, you know what I mean. Yeah. You ever had those situations? I've had a tough time. I've had a tough time squeezing into rental cars. Sometimes I can only imagine a a Cup Series car. That is a good question, though. That's that's. It it was solid. Yeah, Yeah. I was interested to hear your answer too, so that's why I chose it. I liked uh, this the way this question was worded. This one this is my last question for you, Brennan, from my dad's YouTube, not my actual dad's YouTube. Their name is my dad's YouTube. Oh, okay. Um, and they ask you, Brennan, uh, since you showed off your favorite Kevin Harvick diecast, I think that was last week, right, or last month. Yeah, yeah, the last um, month. Yeah. They ask, have you ever met him or anybody? I, this is probably early in your career, and went. <laughs> Man, I love your car. I have it in my collection or something like that. I think bigger question that my dad's YouTube is asking here is, have you ever geeked have out? Have I talked to Kevin Hart? Oh, no, well, yeah. geeked have, out over. Have you ever geeked out over, I don't know, I guess a driver you were probably racing against or that you saw in the garage? Has that ever happened to you? Mm. I mean, I've talked to Kevin Harvick a few times because we raced against each other in yeah. the Xfinity series when he used to run a lot more uh, Xfinity series races. And we've got into it a little bit because I ran him over one time on accident at Darwin. Mm. He didn't crash, but he almost did. And he was he was pretty mad at me at first because I think he thought it was intentional. I'm like, dude, I just messed that up. It happens sometimes. It was on a restart. Um, so I have talked to him and he's given me some advice here and there uh, early on in, in the beginning parts of my career because you know, like I said a month ago, like I, you know, Jeff Gordon was always my guy, but when Jeff kind of left, like I really leaned more towards Harvick. Um, and I always kind of pulled for Harvick, you know, kind of secretly, even though I was like very <laughs> much forward about being a Jeff Gordon fan. But, um, you know, so I, I appreciated his advice to me early on in my career. And, um, and it was just kind of wild to get to race against him, like to, to even be like, yeah, I literally almost crashed Kevin Harvick once, right? Like, <laughs> that's pretty cool because as a kid, you grew up watching him, right? You know, I was 10 yeah. when he took over um, um, the 29 after everything that happened in, in 2001. Yeah. So for me in, in that era, like, I, you know, Kevin Harvick was another kid guy that I really grew up watching and, you know, sort of modeling myself after, you know, a little bit. I always looked towards Jeff Gordon. But, you know, as I watched, you know, Kevin, his driving style – I, I feel like I try to model my driving style a little bit more after his. So, um, you know, it's cool to see him 
see what he's he's done a champion in the sport and and, and obviously we of course wish him a great you know happy um, retirement happy retirement yeah so did you catch on the um, pre-race show it was like I, his, they interviewed they michael watcher went up to his son keelan briefly who i don't know he's he's what like nine years old now and just yeah, asked him like he just asked him like oh when's your next race and i think he said like italy and i'm like oh my yeah. god kevin harvick <laughs> is gonna be busy in retirement <laughs> <laughs> well i, I mean he let his kids sit in that f1 car over there yeah. at the shop too so who knows who knows what he, uh, his son's gonna be doing but i will say a funny thing since uh since uh you know, my dad's YouTube also asks, um, I've never been like, man, I love your car or anything like that to <laughs> another driver or anything like that. I just haven't. But uh, at Pocono, um, it might have, I think it was a couple years ago, or maybe it was last year. I can't remember. But uh, Denny Hamlin's team had just got penalized or something or whatever for something they did. I don't know if it was around the tape or any of that. It might have been before that. I can't remember. It's been a few years. But my nephew... Uh, as his whole team, we were watching, we were staying because Xfinity Garage and Cup Garage is kind of together. And where my holler was parked, the um, Cup cars were going through tech, and Denny Hamlin's guys were pushing his car. And, uh, the, and then at this, my nephew at this time, I think he was like eight or seven, and they had just gotten called out for cheating and penalized the whole deals. And he goes, "There goes the cheaters! There's the cheater!" And all their guys, and it's a seven-year-old like yelling that at all them, and they all like look, and he's like, "Yeah, cheaters!" And I just will never forget that. That was just so funny. Oh my man. gosh! So the kids don't have a filter. Sometimes they don't care. And they're looking at you like, cheaters. "Is this they're kid with you?" Me. I'm like, "Dude, I sorry guys, you know." I do not. They're wondering. You guys did cheat, so yeah, they're wondering where you where he heard it from. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was a seven year old calling his cheaters as they're rolling through tech too, like they're man. about to go into the deal. And he's like, "There's the cheaters." I'm like, "Oh man!" It's Officials so looking around. Whoa! Uh, right, <laughs> alarms going off. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's wow. just so funny. Dang. All right. I guess it brings me to the, to the last question. I think this is oh a good boy. question to end on. Okay. Hopefully. You know, because since uh, Sean, I hope I'm saying this right. Is it McClurg? I don't know. May, hopefully I'm saying that right. Hmm. Sean, if not, sorry, buddy. I'm I'm not the best uh, at names. But um, he, he wants to know, since the show sponsored by Circle B Diecast, Eric, okay? That's a beautiful tie-in. Good job, Sean. Great job, Sean. Nailed it. Um. <laughs> When did you first start collecting NASCAR diecast cars? Like collecting, collecting. I, I don't know that I could tell you when I got my first diecast car. There's a photo. Um, a couple of years ago, my mom whipped out an old photo album, and there's a picture of me. I'm probably four or five years old, and I'm holding a little – it might have even been like an Ernie Irvin era M&M's diecast. Now I can't remember. It was a 30 yeah. – uh, it was a 36 car, M&M's car, and it was old. Like I even feel like I remember as a kid thinking it was beat up and old. I don't know where I got it. I have no, <laughs> no clue. So yeah. uh, I can't say that was the start of my collection. One thing that did just did just hit me, uh, in elementary school, I was uh, I had a couple friends that liked NASCAR, and this is you know probably first, second grade, early, to this 2004-ish, 2005-ish. And um, one of them, I remember, came to me on the playground one day, like it was like the black market or something. It was like, hey, and he kind of pulls it out. Because you're not supposed to have toys, you know, in school. You're not supposed to bring toys to school. Mm -hmm. Pulls out, he's like, I got this. And he shows me, it's like a 2004 Matt Kenseth 164 <laughs> scale car. He's like, I got this for you. But, and then he like tells me, like, I want that. I can't remember what car I traded him. I want to say it was a Mark Martin car of some sort. He's like, I want that that six car. And I was like, oh, oh. And so I was like, okay, oh, here, put that away. Put that away. Shh, shh. <laughs> and then, and I brought him, I think it was like an old, I think it was a, like a Vaveline car. I don't, I think it was some Mark Martin car I brought back to school the next day. And on the playground, we traded. Um, cause of course I had to have another. I think I even had that Matt Kenseth car already in my collection, but I was like, no, I need another one. So, uh, yeah, it would have been, you know, 
pretty much the moment I started watching racing in the early mid 2000s, uh, I started collecting diecasts here and there. And when I started doing YouTube, I started buying whole fleets of cars because at that point it it was like I I I'm trying to represent the whole series, and that's when I started yeah. to fill boxes and boxes of them. Um, and now I just do it for fun. Now I just do it because sometimes it looks cool in the background of my studio, but also. <laughs> I guess now I'm not 12 years old. I have disposable income now. I can I can blow some of it on diecast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cool too that you have your own and you helped make That's one of true. my dreams come true because I never had one. None of my Ganassi cars ever got made. None of my cup cars um, got made. So um, I have first one. of many, hopefully. Yeah, many first of many. There's a, well, there's gonna be. I think I'm gonna. I think there is another diecast I'm gonna have this year, but we'll talk about that later. A, a little. But tease. I'm excited about that. That's tease, exciting. But I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, that's great. We we opened up the show with Carson Hosevar talking about you know teasing things on Twitter. Now we're teasing things at the end of this episode, but uh, I think we've run slightly over an hour, Brennan. Our strict power hour schedule oh, uh, has been broken two weeks in, um, but. Thank you, everyone. Hour, hour and six minutes. Yeah. See, it just doesn't really work as well. Ugh. But thank you, everyone, for listening, <laughs> sticking with us. Once again, thank you to Circle B Diecast for sponsoring the show. Um, if you have questions that you want us to answer on uh, next our next episode of Power Hour, which we don't exactly know who the guest will be yet, but if you have questions for me and or Brennan, uh, you can leave them on my YouTube. Underneath the YouTube video, you can tweet at us. We will be saving them so that we can uh, ask them on the air next time. Um, but Brennan, yeah. uh, thanks for being on the show. Glad you're you're doing well after that good finish, but hard finish at Atlanta. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. I can't wait for the next show. Can't wait for y'all's next uh, questions. And um, yeah, can't wait to see who our next guest is going to be. Going to be fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the latest episode of Power Hour.